Welcome to the EDU Podcast, where Rob and Gary talk and drink with your favorite photographers. So grab yourself a cold sarsaparilla and saddle up. I'm Rob Grimm with RGG EDU, and as part of our Easton Chang tutorial on automobile photography, we're having the opportunity to sit down with a couple of photographers, one being Easton Chang, and you can see his work at EastonChang.com. And next, we have Larry Chen, LarryChenPhoto.com. Larry, thank you for joining us, and I'm excited to talk with you and with Easton about your work in particular, because it's so crazy different from what he does. You're like hanging out of helicopters. Lord knows what you're doing because you're all about speed. Tell us a little bit about your style, who you work for, and kind of what you do. Well, thanks for having me. Um, basically, my goal is to capture speed. Um, one of the main clients that I work for is Speed Hunters. Right. And um, basically, all we do is we go around the world and we find the greatest car culture and cars and car builders and people and drivers and we photograph them and we basically show them to the world. Um, before Speed Hunters I feel like there wasn't really a place where car enthusiasts could uh, find everything. You know like with car magazines it's more regionally based. You know like in the US you have Hot Rod Magazine and Motor Trend or whatever and Australia it's different. It's a, a Fast car magazine, right? Or, or Aussie cars. Yeah, whatever. Aussie cars. And, Aussie and, cars, and, really? Bogan cars, whatever. Yeah, it, I just it, made it up. Basically, <laughs> if you were living in the U.S. and you wanted to know about car culture in Australia or in the U.K. or in Japan, you would really have to go out of your way to look at the photography, uh, like finding uh, books or whatever. But with Speed Hunters, it's a one-stop shop, basically, because we have couple photographers all over the world just contributing to one place mm -hmm. and we all do it for the love of it you know just for it to actually exist we don't actually make any money but we just kind of want to make this thing you know like help car culture in general so that's that's pretty much one of the biggest things that I do that's half of my job yeah. the other half is working for manufacturers working for whatever companies that want that kind of automotive photography using natural light. I think that, that you keyed in on something that's so important. It, it's the car, car culture. You know, it exists in every language, basically. I mean, mm -hmm. everybody um, in every community are just passionate about cars. Uh, we were talking about just a, a few minutes ago that, you know, even as little boys, we seem just so predisposed to be in love with cars and with transportation. What do you think it is about cars and car culture that is so infectious? Why do we love it? Well, why'd you get my, into it? In my case, I got into it because I was really passionate about cars. I was really into car porn. You know, I was right. really, just, I was really, really into it. I was like a speed hunters kind of nut as well. Um, and... Over time, I think that passion has kind of waned down a little bit. Like, I will admit that I'm not into it as much as I used to. Um, probably from me getting older uh, and more boring. <laughs> but essentially, you know, I think that's also reflected in my style of work as well. So I think if you look at my work from um, five to ten years ago, 
It's all about action. It's, it's all about showing the inherent character of a sports car. And that was reflecting my passion for cars at the time. Today, these days, my style of photography is much more based on lifestyle, incorporating fashion, having more mood and atmosphere in the images, and capturing that more lifestyle and human element to it. Uh, and I think that reflects how my passion for cars has changed. I, I'm going to politely disagree with you in that. I don't think you're over it yet. Just listening to you in the car on the way down here, you were it, talking about so many different cars. The the idea, the concept, the, the love of cars and car culture is, is just ingrained in you, and it's ingrained in all of us. There's something about... There's a mystique about the automobile. It's it's its movement. It's its elegance. Um, but there's a whole nother side, a lot of side that you see with, where these crazy cars with the suspensions that are nuts, like going up sand dunes. For and me, um, it's it's the the love for cars came first. Yeah. Then photography. Right. Um, yeah, I was exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. I started out that way. And and everyone loves cars for different reasons, you know, and and. Uh, I've seen like pretty much the the ultimate, like uh, I guess shrine for cars, where uh, this uh, this uh, in the Middle East uh, in Dubai, the Rainbow Shake, he loves the Dodge Power Wagon so much because it basically built his country. You know, like that's what the 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 people used, you know, to transport stuff, to build things or whatever. That he built an uh, apartment out of one. It was like featured on Top Gear, but I wait, shot wait. it too. He yeah. built an yeah. apartment so he, out of it, a it's basically Dodge a Power ten, Wagon? A, a 10 times large versus like a, a, not one ten scale, it's a 10 to 1 scale. And then uh, <laughs> you could live in it. And it's, it's, it's so crazy because it's, it's like a tribute to this thing that, that basically built his country. Wow. And, and, and so, so like that's the kind of car culture that I just search out for that's that's my main job is is to like when i'm long gone people will will remember cars hopefully through my imagery you know like the books that i do uh just even stuff on the internet people things that people print out things that people share like that's my goal so you it's your job to search out these cult how do you do this how do you go about finding that information well uh, at first it's it's pretty hard uh, at first what I did was I pretty much had my own full-time job that I would do and then I would use that money to pay for trips to go all around the world whatever meet new people and, and look for those kind of cars now it's to the point where people want to tell me about their whatever secret garage or this one of one car or whatever, and then I'll actually go out and shoot them and just, I guess, present them to the world. You know, so, so it's evolved definitely, but the key thing for me was to actually uh, just sacrifice my time to, to create this, create this stuff. Purely driven yeah. by passion. You saved up money so you could go search out cars. Exactly. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, everyone has a different it's kind of a, hobby, yeah, but I feel like for me, uh, a lot of people ask like, oh, how do I get into what you're doing? You know, like for me, I say, look, I pretty much created my own kind of job, you know, um, of just showing people 
what's out there in the world of cars. So how did you go searching this stuff out? I mean, obviously, the world of the interweb, you can pretty much find, but find any kind of information. But this must have been an enormous amount of time for you to dig to find these car cultures that you were interested in. Yeah, well, now it's easy because pretty much, I kid you not, I'll go anywhere in any country and I'll kind of put a feeler out like, hey, I'm here or whatever. Like, for example, um, I recently did a piece um, about Barbados. It's like this tiny, tiny country, 26 square miles or whatever. I don't even, it's, it's really small. They only have one highway. You would think a country like that doesn't have cars or car culture, like, or they'll have cars, but they won't have like a big tuning community, but it's ridiculous. It's insane. Yeah. The one highway they have, they race it. They, they'll even shut it down to race on it. But like, I, I kind of put some feelers out like, Hey, I'm in Barbados. I'm, I'm shooting this rally cross race. Um, does any locals want to show me, you know, what they have to offer in terms of car culture? And I met up with these guys at a gas station and just, we were just up all night you know, cruising to different spots on the island, showing me their cars and just telling me how much they love it. Even though they don't, they don't have a place to drive it, they just, they just, I don't know, they build them up and they show them off, you know, they, they love it. That's just their world. It strikes me how different your two worlds are. When I'm sitting here listening to, to both of you speak about um, the way you work and the, you both kind of live on airplanes in many respects, uh -huh. like going to different places. The world of, of automobiles and car culture is so layered, so stratified in, in that way that it, it, this is kind of fascinating to hear how different your worlds are. Yeah, it's almost as if um, what Larry's describing sounds a lot like street photography for cars. Yeah, it's almost like Walker Evans, of, but of cars. It's that, that, exactly. that, that kind of street approach. Yeah, That's right. Um, you know, I, I envy the, the lifestyle and the things that you get to do. I mean, that's just way more awesome and cooler than, than <laughs> what I get to do. Um, you know, more dangerous too. This guy's hanging on a helicopter half the time. Yeah, it's still cool fun. It's really <laughs> nice. But the, um, you know, what your style is is it's all capturing moments. It's all capturing genuine, real moments. It's all about, you know, much of your work seems to be about um, being there yeah. and, and and being there at the right time and. Um, and making the opportunities uh, so that you can you can capture them um, faithfully. Whereas, whereas my style is more about staging and choreographing a look. I, I'm I'm in the business of eye candy, right? I'm I'm purely based on on visuals and and setting up the lighting and sculpting the vehicle to create a particular composition. Whereas yours is is much more um, natural and and, and capturing. Um, true, true to life events. Um, do you find that what do you do in order to to um, maximize your opportunities to to capture the right elements? Yeah, uh, one of the things uh, I get pretty much emails every day about asking how they could get into the industry and how they could do what I'm doing. I I just start off with look you're behind a computer emailing me about this, you should be out shooting, you know? Like, the fact that I'm somewhere, I'm photographing this car, and you're not, means that I'm getting better pictures than you. You know what I mean? Yeah, but But who knows, if the, that guy was there too, he'd probably get better pictures than me, you know? Like, there's no way to know, but 
the fact of the matter is you have to put yourself into that situation. And we all know, like with photography, uh, you only show your best stuff. You know, that, that's what people see. That's what they should see. For me, I try to shoot almost every day. And um, you might not believe it, but I average it out probably over the fast, uh, probably over the last five years, if I average it out, I've shot 750 pictures a day, every wow. single day, okay? Because- That's pretty impressive. Yeah, during, for example, during a race weekend, if I'm shooting like a 24-hour race, um, it's not actually a 24-hour race. It's like a 30-hour race, because you have to go there ahead of time, get people suiting up, you know, get the teams getting ready, getting the tires on, all that. Then you shoot the entire race without sleeping. Right. Then afterwards, you got the trophy ceremony. You got, you know, it's, it's insane. Right. And after that, a, a whole weekend, including practice, including qualifying, all that, I could end up with 20,000 images, easy. The kind of images that you get from those kinds of events, like I hold tremendous respect for the kind of images that you're able to produce with that because nothing is being staged for you. These racing drivers aren't positioning anything for you. Everything is all just gung-ho and on the fly and you're basically running on a 30-hour day, running around like a headless chook and just trying to capture everything you know, in, in camera. It's such a difficult circumstance, like it's the complete opposite to what I do. Yeah, it's totally different. And the same with me, as a still photographer, we're creating a moment, we're analyzing, um, we're looking for form, we're looking for light, we're looking to sculpt. You're looking for the decisive moment. Yeah. That's, that's your task. You are constantly watching and seeing the motion and trying to capture that, that split second where it's at its height or its peak or its most vocal. It, it really is a, a game of numbers. I mean, like, you, I, I put myself into that situation. I just use my experience to basically have a higher chance of, of being in front of something that's happening. You know, you, you know, you, you, you know who's going to possibly crash or, uh, when when people are getting ready to change tires, you know they're going to come in for a pit stop right. and or driver change. Like you have to anticipate all of these moments. Yeah, before it actually. Happens. Yeah, before it actually happens. That's shooting racing. Um, just shooting car culture in general. I'm seriously just out there having fun and I'm just living it. You know, but all I'm doing is capturing what's in front of me, and I could go days and I'm capturing stuff and it's unusable or it's just not good stuff, but when Good stuff does happen in front of me. I'm there, I'm shooting it, you know, and I'm recording it. And I'll write about it and I'll tell the story, you know, that way. So it, it all, it does come from uh, a little bit of my background, just to give you guys a heads up. Um, the full-time job I was saying that I was doing right. to pay for my passion, I was actually a, a news photographer or paparazzi. Oh, you were? Yeah. Oh, right. Full-time in Los Angeles, okay. yeah. I was uh, basically a staff photographer for a photo agency. And I learned a lot of my techniques on the mean streets of L.A. You know, actually going for that shot, going for that news story, or going for that picture of a certain celebrity or whatever. I've shot pretty much every big celebrity that you can think of. I mean, I've shot Michael Jackson, I've shot Tom Cruise or whatever. But that's, it's kind of the same thing, you know? Like, I'm telling the story, but through my pictures, and 
I definitely brought a different style to it, you know, whereas a lot of news photographers would just capture the moment, but tell the story, whatever. For me, I always try to make it look good, you know, and, and I learned a lot of that, like, okay, so he, he might go out the back door or the front door or, or whatever, like that strategy. And I moved it to racing and car photography and car culture. That's, photography. that's pretty interesting to me because you're, you're taking a situation where you not only had to um, anticipate where somebody was going to be and kind of um, position yourself, but you also, you know, needed to make them look good, right? I yeah. mean, you didn't want to cast them in a horrible light. You had to get that that decisive shot and completely turned it into this passion on cars. Yeah, w one of the things that I always think about uh, in terms of photography in general, I'm sure you guys can relate, is this this certain place in time and space is worth so much depending on what's happening in front of it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so for me, if I was in a certain spot, you know, like I'll, I'll pass by spots that I've shot at before. I'm thinking like, how many years ago, so-and-so like Britney Spears walked out of this door. And if you were here at this moment, you could have made a lot of money, right. you know, but every other time wow. in that space, it's worth nothing, you know? And that's the same, that's, that's what I, thought. yeah, that's what I move into in terms of like, I, I take that seriousness into capturing beautiful images at the racetrack or during a car culture meet or like a, like a, uh, just a, a gas station meet or something, you know, like I, I'll take it to that level because even though it just looks like a normal, like a bunch of people gathering with cars, something actually special is going on. Yeah, you really capture that human element in your work. It's not just, um, it's not just concrete. There's something more abstract in there. It actually captures the, the human level um, that you obviously had experience with before and you've, you've basically channeled that into your work with cars, which is a very difficult thing to do because cars, by their very nature is just so such an inanimate object um it's just it's just right a, but they can't work without the human component exactly without, without right. the driver you know <laughs> interacting without the driver making it happen and, and and beating the guy next to him the car is all exactly all that emotion and, and what larry does is he uses this this element of timing to capture the moment and to capture that human element and, and that storytelling in his images, right. which is what makes his images just so powerful and amazing. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, your work is really cool. It's really fascinating, that just the dichotomy between the two of you. Honest to God, you guys are both in, in the car industry and the images that come out are so completely different. Yeah, we couldn't be any further from the spectrum from each other. And that's probably one of the reasons why I also love his work so much, <laughs> because I, I respect um, those that do something that I couldn't possibly ever do. You know, like, I, I feel like, oh, that's just so alien to me. I don't know how they could possibly, poss possibly do that. Try it, it out. Just... We'll make a tutorial for you. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, while you say that, yeah, we're, we're completely different worlds apart in terms of what we photograph and uh, just the work that we do. But there's the one thing that just makes us pretty much, I, I guess the, the thing that we have in common is our work ethic. You know, I work seven days a week. You know, I never ever take a break. I don't even remember the last time I took a vacation. But that's the thing is, I guess my work is, is pleasure, you know, it's, it's fun. 
I get to play with cars, I get to drive cars, I get to meet people. That's why I don't ever stop pushing. And for, it's very evident for you, you know, you have the flu, you're still working. It's the same way with me. When I have the flu, I'm still out there. I'm still searching for that next moment and I'm still shooting. So, I mean, that's where we have in common. Yeah, on the topic of work ethic, um, I agree with you on that. I think that it's, um, you can look at it in an even more universal standpoint and see that no matter how different uh, our styles of photography is and no matter how different um, areas of photography that we do, even within the, the range of cars, the one thing that the good shooters have in common is that they all have that very precise work ethic. It doesn't matter if they're a motorsport photographer and they're a street motorsport photographer, car culture photographer, a studio photographer or an advertising editorial photographer. The one thing that they all have in common, the successful ones at their craft, is that they're all perfectionists at what they do. They're all extremely passionate about what they do and that passion drives them into pushing the boundaries as much as they can and creating the best possible images they can physically make. It's the, they never stop, they never hold themselves back. It can be bad weather, it can be a mess to clean up the location or it could be a mess for me to, to find the right models or to get the lights in the right position. I'll just go out there and I will do it and I'll push however hard I can um, because I am of, of, I understand with you about the work ethic where it's really all about pushing the boundaries as, as much as as much as possible we push it in our own different ways in our own respective fields but the thing that I notice all successful car photographers and artists in general is that they have this strong passion and that passion drives them to create a perfect a perfectionist attitude towards making their images yeah I, I think that there's no question photographers artists in general are always striving for perfection. And it's just, passion might, in some ways, might be the most overused word when it comes to the world of art, but it's pretty accurate in that sense. Um, and in some ways, I think it's inescapable. It's like you cannot get away from that car culture. No matter, you can't take a day off no. because it's so ingrained in you. It's such a part of you, you can't escape it. Yeah, that pretty much is my day off. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's like just a constant day off and, and um, in, in terms of like uh, what my, I have to say my limitation is my physical limitation. You know, like I can only go so long for so hard. You know, like I, I want to be able to fly back and then the next morning go to another event or whatever. Uh, I want to shoot every day, but I physically can't, you know, because it wears on you. You know, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm actually sacrificing my physical being for these images you know like just because and not to mention relationships you know and and an actual uh social life and i'm i'm sacrificing everything for these images without a doubt part of the business part of being inescapable from it that's but that's that's passion driven so cars have changed so much in, in so many ways they keep getting faster What's the limit? You think it can be reached? What do you think? <laughs> every time I think the limitations of a car has been hit, every time I think that cars have hit that point of maturity, it just boggles me that the next generation improves again. 
yeah, exactly. It's not like I feel like a computer technology, for instance. You know, I remember in the 90s when I was growing up, the more you spent on the computer, the better of a system you got. You waited a couple of years and it was loads better than completely superseded what you had before. You can't do anything without the latest and greatest model. Um, but eventually computers reach that point of maturity in, the, in their development to a point where you got a computer that was just okay and just average and just a good value for money budget computer and it'll do the job it'll do all the tasks that you need computers eventually reached that peak where it no longer needed to improve and there was it, it was fully developed and matured i feel like cars was going to reach that period but it hasn't you know the numbers that these cars are pulling out you know, the r35 gtr the porsche 911 turbo and the 0 to 100 times that it can do and the launch control technology that it has is just absolutely mind-boggling. You know, the um, cars that are just not even close to being a supercar, just a sports car, are now doing 0 to 100 or in America 0 to 60 times, right. equivalent to that of supercars from just seven or eight years ago. Yeah. And not only that, but it's doing that whilst being comfortable, being quiet, being safe and just being all around easy and drivable to use. It's not ridiculously low or ridiculously wide. You can drive around and use your hands-free Bluetooth to talk to your family at home and just cruise on the freeway and go to sleep. Or you can then take it on a track or a windy road or through the canyons and just thrash it about. And it's just gonna run rings around the supercars of, of 10 years ago. Um, cars have just continued to improve and develop way beyond my expectations um, and I can't see that that stopping I mean there must be some kind of physical limitation I mean there's it's just physics you, right. you're gonna you're gonna die from the g-force eventually <laughs> right well, you know, you'll, you'll start building better humans <laughs> yeah, yeah the cars will go and your spleen's left behind <laughs> through the exhaust but you know the cars are still improving as far as I've seen but it may continue to improve in ways that we are not yet envisioning. Maybe it won't be to do with 0 to 100 times. Maybe the physical limit is 0 to 100 in two seconds for your soccer mum's SUV that can seat seven people um, for you know 30 grand drive away on road off a dealership. Uh, and but the other ways that it improves that we don't foresee could be with electric technology. Could be with um, automation as well. Um, safety features, um, wireless connectivity, you know, it's smart cars. I feel that those are the areas that we're going to see a lot of change and development in, in, in the future. Yeah, I'm curious with both of you, where you, where do you want to go? Now that you've both had serious inroads in the world of being car photographers, where do you want your career to go? What do you see as happening next? Especially for a guy who travels the world constantly, you keep pushing yourself. Um. For me, I guess, I, I just, back back to what you were saying, uh, I wanted to kind of add on to what yeah, you are saying about, sorry, sorry, about what you are saying about what's crazy about cars. Uh, pretty soon in our lifetime, I feel like it'll just be autonomous cars, and cars will become more of an appliance than they are now. That sad. freaks me yeah. out. I don't like that at all. I've gotten in this conversation sad. before. I cannot imagine not being able to control a car. But good news for us car enthusiasts is that uh, a 32 ford is always going to be a 32 ford right. you know a 69 mustang is always going to be a 69 mustang you can always go back 
and there's always new generations that are becoming of age where they can afford these old classic cars or, and they can put their own interpretation on these, you know? So it is kind of like a new car, but it's an old car, you know? And, and that's kind of what I love to see is all of these uh, new chassis being made or whatever, but it's like old style, but it's like new technology, yeah. you know? So that, that's, that's what I think is really cool about, I guess, new cars. My first car was a Volvo P1800, and I want to find an old crapped-out one and just merge it with an incredible new. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, it would be great. Co totally customize it, and but make it safe because I do. I love old cars, love old cars, but I'm also kind of addicted to the new safety yeah. features and the creature comforts. Exactly. So maybe there brakes. is this. Yeah. You want good AC? I do. I want good brakes. I want to don't get stopped. Yeah. Make it back to my family. Right. Right. So maybe cars will kind of start to merge into this new almost hybrid place of mixing the old and the young a little bit. Because it's weird to think, for me to think of not being able to drive the car. Yeah. The autonomous car flips me out. And I, I, it probably is coming. I know it's coming. Um, maybe I won't be alive to see it. That might be better. But I don't know. It, uh, it's just a really crazy thought. And then to answer your question about um, let me what's next. Let me rephrase that. Okay, I'm going to go back because the light's also dropping. So I'm going to re No, it's, it's cool. In fact, I'm glad we backed up and added that content. Yeah, that was good. So now that, now that both of you have, you know, kind of found your foothold in this career, harnessed your passion, harnessed what you couldn't escape from into a full-fledged co career, where do you want to go with it? Like, wh what's next for you guys? As, as, as Two photographers who travel the world photographing cars. Where do you go? For me, I will just push as hard as my body will let me, I guess. For, because there are literally an unlimited amount of events, of cars, of people to meet. You know, it's just, just however long I can go for. Uh, because it is, it is part of our life, whether we like it or not. You know, yeah. like it's, it's just one of the things like that is part of our world. And um, I'm just out there to look for it. To tell that story. Yeah, tell that story. You're constantly looking for the st story while you're constantly looking for the form, the art in that car. Yeah, I would say that um, my style is very much in playing with light and shadow and ultimately pixels as well. Um, where do I find myself in the future? I, right now I am um, at this point where I realize I'm still learning so much. You know, I have learned so much over the last 14 years of shooting and despite all the knowledge that I've accumulated, I really know nothing in the long term. Like in the long run, I know nothing and um, I need to be constantly learning and I, I want to continue to pursue uh, my weaknesses um, and, to, and to strengthen them. Um, and you know, I, I don't ever want to be in a situation where I feel like, yeah, my work is good enough because it simply isn't. Right. Um, and I want to always be in that cycle where I can see the fault in my work, I can see the weakness in my technique and to improve upon them uh, throughout the whole stage of the process, not just in terms of the photography itself, not just in terms of the retouching itself, but the bidding, the uh, quotations, the running of the business, the whole politics of um, advertising, photography, marketing, all these areas. You know, early on in my career, there was a huge development in photography. Um, but in the editorial world, you don't learn much in terms of the politics uh, and business of running a photography business. 
whereas as soon as I got into advertising, then things changed dramatically. It was, uh, it went from being about 95% photography and 5% business and marketing to being 95% about business and marketing and 5% about photography. So even though I'm in this advertising business, there is still so much for me to learn. Uh, on top of the fact that the, the industry in general is always changing and it's always evolving as well and I need to adapt and to move on with the times as well. Right. The way agencies source their photographers, the kind of images that they want from their photographers, the way they find their photographers, it's all constantly changing. The way budgets are changing, the way they quote for things, the way usage rights work, the licensing um, policies and guidelines, it all varies from country to country and I need to adapt to that and I need to learn from that and that's where I see myself in the future. I would like to constantly be fixing my mistakes and, and learning and improving and leveling up not just in my photography but in all these other extremely crucial areas in, in my side of the business. Yeah, it's very true that old cliche that the, the older you get, you know, the more you know, the more you realize you still have to learn. And that's one of the beautiful things about being a photographer or being an artist. You know that you can continue to push yourself further, you can gain more knowledge, you can continue to go forward uh, and just constantly get better, while at the same time being better about understanding what you're not good at, which leads you to a better place, which is pretty cool. I want to thank both of you guys for joining us. This has really been a fun conversation to sit and talk with two people who have such divergent styles in what is perceived as the same business in, in many respects. So, uh, Larry, thanks again. Uh, Larry Chen with LarryChenPhoto.com and SpeedHunters.com, which is a really cool site. And Easton Chang with EastonChang.com. If you want to gain a great understanding of how to photograph cars, take a look at Easton Chang's new tutorial, available at RGGEDU.com. Well, that's all she wrote for this one. Thanks for listening. I get out of here and start shooting. This podcast is officially over. Over and out. Catch you next time, dude. How do you raise your game and make your mark? Stop taking pictures, you start making images, and with that, you set the world on fire. RGGEDU, my dad said I could.